Effective episode 20, your double E, Ina Esco, and I have my friend Nicole Harris with me. Hi. Hi, Nick, the editor. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Did you have a good day today? I had a long day, but I had a good day. You ready for the holiday? Yes. Okay. So yes. We, we about to get ready for the holiday. We have so much to talk about. Now, podcast listeners, Nicole, I guess you first started with technical writing as your background right I did and it evolved it did what did it evolve into well I was a technical writer for the Navy I was a contract writer so mm -hmm. the great thing about being contract is once your time there is done you can go to other places so I worked for the Navy I worked for Credo I worked for FedEx mm -hmm. but that was when everybody was going through a lot of budget issues and I kept getting laid off I'm like mm -hmm. I can't I can't live like this I'm grown mm -hmm. so I just kind of trans what's the word transition transition there you go look <laughs> at you i transitioned into um journalism okay. using you know the following that i had already built online mm -hmm. um I, i'll never forget i had 950 dollars left in my bank account and i went to sam's and i bought a really nice camera mm -hmm. a canon dslr and i would just start showing up places Saying, can I take pictures? Really? Mm -hmm. And I would live tweet for people. Um, I would take pictures. I would send them to them. And so from that, I started getting freelance clients. Um, Kelly Evans and I, Kelly Southern Girl, mm -hmm. she was working hey. for the Tri-State Defender. Mm -hmm. And there was an assignment that she couldn't make. So she told um, Bernal, mm -hmm. bless him, um, she said, hey, I have a friend. And that's how I got my start. Wow. So... Did you already know, like, all of the ins and outs of using a camera when you I got the camera? My, I taught myself how to use the camera mm -hmm. um, because I was in the middle of jobs. I had a lot of time to just Google things. I started following a lot of journalists that I admired. Um, I graduated from U of M a very long time ago, mm -hmm. um, but I went back and took a few journalism classes just so because journalism and technical writing, even though it's still dealing with words, is very it's different. different. So I went and took some journalism classes, um, and I just it took off. Like, when did you join Twitter? I joined when it first opened, but I deleted the account because it was dumb then because nobody used Twitter. Mm -hmm. So you were talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing this. Mm -hmm. Then I joined, I think, in 2018. It was Diva Diatribes then. Mm -hmm. And once I transitioned into journalism, I ended up deleting that account because I was really ratchet and I didn't want, you know. <laughs> not you, Nick. <laughs> not like ratchet, ratchet, but I was ratchet enough to where I didn't want people to Google that and see some of the stuff mm -hmm. pop up. So um, I created the, the Nick the Editor account mm -hmm. and blog. And mm -hmm. for a very long time, there were people who would see me in public and they're like, Nick the Editor. Mm -hmm. They would not know my real name. Mm -hmm. People to this day still don't know my real name. <laughs> they were going by your Twitter handle. They call me Nick the Editor, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I like Nick the Editor because, I mean, it really fits, you know, a lot of what you put out there in your social media space and what you do every day. So kind of like we kind of like men on Twitter anyway. The majority of the friends that I have, 
I would say a good 90% are relationships that I've built from Twitter and Instagram. Isn't that awesome? Like it when is. you really utilize what the social media platform is there for, like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and there are so many different people. It just, I look back on it and I realize how blessed I really was mm-hmm. to have Twitter mm-hmm. because there were people I could call on to say, hey, can you proofread this resume for me? Or, hey, I was thinking about applying for this job. Do you know someone or can you help me get my foot in the door? Mm-hmm. And vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. I love the fact that there are people who don't hesitate to call me and ask questions and ask for help. Even when I was in Biloxi, people were still calling me asking, mm-hmm. well, who do I call for this or how do I do this? So mm-hmm. it's when you use it right, it's a really great resource. Mm-hmm. So you started as a digital content producer at WMC. And how was that getting into that role? Was that a new role when you got into it? It was still fairly new. I would say probably six, seven years-ish, which Mm -hmm. in terms of news and digital was still new. It was Mm -hmm. still evolving. For me, it was hard. Like I didn't think that I was good at it because it's so quick. Mm -hmm. And I have ADD, so normally like it's hard to focus on one thing, and Mm -hmm. so that was one issue that I was having. But eventually I learned how to use that to my benefit. But I can literally do six or seven things at one time. Mm -hmm. You know, my boss would always say, how are you doing all this? I'm like, Mm -hmm. magic. (laughs) <laughs> but it it was a hard transition at first but once I got the hang of it um I mean the social media thing everything is so fast people want news right now people want everything just mm-hmm. instantly right? and the thing is people think you know when you're a digital content producer they say oh you just sit and play on Twitter all day no I'm actually having to edit stories and you know find video clip video edit video in mm-hmm. Biloxi um Sometimes I would actually do my own video, go out and video things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on TV Sunday nights, so I'm writing scripts. If there were extra stories, I'm writing those and, and cutting VOs. So it's it's one of those jobs where the more useful you can make yourself, the mm-hmm. further you'll go. So okay. I enjoy it. You were at WMC, mm-hmm. and then you transitioned to Biloxi. What new station were you there? WLOX. Did you like it in Biloxi? I always pause because it was a really, really hard move for me. Oh. I did not want to go, but the job market here, when I was at WMC, I was part-time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, I can't. I can't just continue to work part-time. Of course, like, maybe three months after I left, that's when, the, that's when the budget came through. But mm-hmm. That's um, usually how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> but I went to Biloxi, and it's just so different. You know, mm-hmm. even though I grew up in a small town in Sykeston, Memphis had been my home for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to the big city. I didn't know you were from Sykeston. I am. Okay, I Missouri. Am. All right. Um, I was used to the big city and always things going on. The best description of Memphis that I've ever heard um, is that you can either be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond. Mm-hmm. And the fact that here in Memphis you have the option to do either one. You really do. It's great, but in Biloxi, I just felt like flat like a fish out of water. You know, I thought different than everyone. Um, There was nothing to do. There's nothing to do in Biloxi. There's casinos. There's the the ocean. It's dirty. (laughs) I know. That Gulf Coast is not pretty. But it was nice because I would go to Florida. I would go to Alabama and New Mm -hmm. Orleans. It's all close. Um, I probably cried for six months straight. (laughs) When you got there. When I got there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luckily, I found a really good therapist and... Mm -hmm. Um, my life started to change in, in ways because she was helping me figure out some things that kind of baggage that I've been carrying mm-hmm. along. But the reason why I hesitate to say that 
I didn't like it was because I grew so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, the job pushed me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my news director, it was actually funny when I first started, we kind of butted heads a little bit and I couldn't understand why. And then one day I realized, I was like, we're exactly alike. Mm. This is this is why we butt heads constantly. Mm-hmm. And he's actually probably my favorite person from that news station now. Isn't that something? But I got so many great friendships. Um, mm-hmm. I got my little goddaughter, Gigi. Mm-hmm. I'm not technically her godmother, but I was like, that's, <laughs> that's me. She's the beneficiary. You're the fairy godmother. Right, she's my beneficiary. She, that's, that's my godmother. Um, but, yeah, so I, I grew a lot. Um, the relationships that I made. So I don't regret it. It was hard. Mm-hmm. but I, I bet it was. It. You know what? I actually had um, a program director contact me about a position um, at their radio station in Biloxi. This is like... A jazz... Uh, it was a hip-hop format. It was an urban I mean, it's only format. One, so. It was that one. Yeah. It was that one. Look, it was that one. And uh, this is like back when me and Jamie were dating. We had just started dating. So it was a long time ago. And we had went down there. And as soon as, like, we hit Biloxi, we listened to the final radio station, listening to it. And he shouts me out. I said, dang, how he know we rolling up, you know? And so when I tried to reach out to the guy, though, no phone call back, no nothing. But we were there on vacation anyway. We just made it a trip. But maybe, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we enjoyed our weekend in Biloxi. But like you said, it's not much to do. Not much to do. Like it. If you go, like, to some of the surrounding cities, like Ocean Springs and Bay St. Louis, um, they're beautiful. They're mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. They're a little ways out, maybe, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find things to do. But it's not like in Memphis where the issue for me in Biloxi was I was off on Mondays and Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. They they got me because they told me I was going to be Monday through Friday. And then mm. I got there, and it was not like, whole weekend. yeah, I got there, and they're like, oh, we made a mistake. You're going to be off on Mondays and Tuesdays. There's nothing happening there. Here I can find something to do on Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesday. There I couldn't. But so, it was some good food there. It's good seafood. I'm allergic to shellfish. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Dang. But there were some good restaurants that I found there. But I honestly used to go to New Orleans to eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, right there by New Orleans. New Orleans is less than an hour from there, right? Mm-hmm. Like 45 minutes. Oh. Yes. So you left the news world, and now you're in print media. Yes. Working for the Commercial Appeal. And and you said the USA Today team. Yes. What is that? How is that partnership? Well, Gan- or the Commercial Appeal was bought by Gan- Gannett. Mm-hmm. So it's under that whole USA Today umbrella. So the way it works is our six sister stations, which would be Nashville, Knoxville, Clarksville, Jackson, and I'm missing one, Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. So the six of us, like, that's our region. Mm-hmm. Um it's very different from TV. Mm, it, I can imagine. I'll say in TV, I was constantly going. I'm making phone calls. I'm writing stuff. You know, it's very high energy. And here I'm just like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll do this. Um, yeah. But it, it's, I enjoy it for the most part. Your your current position is the digital content producer still, right? Yes. And so I, I know you kind of explained a little bit, but just – Tell us about like your day to day. Walk us through the life of a digital content producer, because I'm sure a lot of people out here who love social media, this can probably be a future role for them. You know, Mm -hmm. I will. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to explain it the way it was in TV, because in the TV world, that was more of a digital content producer. So a lot of times people will say, well, what what do you do? Mm -hmm. I produce digital content. So Mm -hmm. the main job is taking those stories that you see on TV 
and putting them on our website. Most reporters are really good about making their scripts work like with uh, website language as mm -hmm. far as like how it, the tone of it. Some of them, they're in a hurry or they just forget. So making sure that that looks good, that it reads well. Um, some digital content producers will go out on stories. I, I always like to find my own things to write about. So there's a lot of writing stories that won't necessarily air on TV, but mm -hmm. they'll just be for you know the website and the app. Um, in print, it's a little different just because of the way we have, have it set up. Um, I, on any given day, may be editing copy for any six of those stations. I don't necessarily wow. just work on Memphis. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I don't really get, I don't want to say I don't have as much creative freedom, but I kind of don't. Whereas in TV, if I had a really good idea for something and my boss said, okay, I like it, go for it. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Whereas here, I have to pitch the idea, it's going to be approved. Then after I do it, they may still say, okay, well, I want to cut this, this, and this. And I'm just like, but that wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, there are a lot more processes in print, which mm -hmm. there, there's a reason for everything. So it's just getting adjusted to, to all of that. So print media, a whole new life. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, it would really depend on how your newsroom is set up. For the most part, you're going to be editing web copy. You're going to be creating um, visuals like interactives and embeds. Mm -hmm. um, they're really trying to ramp up videos, so creating like small videos, text, you know, so people will watch the story maybe instead of reading it. Mm -hmm. um, it's essentially anything you would see online. That's what the digital content producer is going to be wrangling and making sure is okay. Is that pretty much like the future of everything? Everything is visual now. Like you said, more videos, everything. Like, so instead of even writing a story, we're just going to watch it. I think, I don't, I think we're always going to want to read content. I actually personally don't like to watch those videos. I don't either. Um, I like that they're there mm -hmm. because I'll, I'll eventually circle back to it, but I want to read the copy. Um, everything now is on demand. We got to have it now, you know, mm -hmm. and... Print is never going to die. I, I don't think so. Not anytime soon. Not in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, but that shift to focusing on digital first, mm -hmm. it's definitely, we're, we're at the height of it, I think. Wow. So, I mean, you've been involved with social media, I guess, maybe even from inception, right? Mm -hmm. Like Instagram, Twitter. What's your favorite? Black Planet. Black Planet, MySpace. Little <laughs> Yahoo chat rooms. Actually, my very first friend internet friend I met I think it was a Yahoo chat room his mm -hmm. name was Tony and oh. we are still friends to this, this day Look at that. that's when I was 15 he actually um he's a CPA now and he actually does my taxes every year so Look hey Tony that. long relationships <laughs> on social media yes now like I'm crazy about social media as well um what are some of the advantages and disadvantages you think of social media like some of the side effects of it in your opinion I think the advantage is you've got everything at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. You know, if we are working on a story and we need to find out, okay, well, when did this happen? What are people saying? I can go to Facebook and I can do a keyword search. Mm -hmm. I can go on Snapchat and look at the Snap map and see what people are snapping mm. about. Um, so it's good because that information is always there. It's bad because that information is always there. And I think sometimes we rely too much on interacting on social because, you know, we don't want to pick up the phone or we don't really want to just go hang out. Mm -hmm. And so we forget how to talk to people. Mm 
-hmm. You know, we forget how to sit in a room and just have a conversation without constantly, Mm -hmm. "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay. Mm." So it, I think you have to learn how to pull yourself away. Mm -hmm. You know, just like with anything else. It was, I think, when we were growing up, probably TV. The Mm -hmm. old folks, you could old folks sorry mama <laughs> the the adults used to say you know you watch too much tv go outside mm-hmm. and play and that's the way i feel with with social media yeah. you know my four-year-old little cousin is so smart and he on sit, that phone sits there with his ipad he's watching videos <laughs> yes he sh- he showed his mom something one day he was like that's a hexagon how do you know They're what a hexagon is girl glued but there's sometimes i just want to say go play mm-hmm. like go go play I definitely feel you on that. For example, Dallas. Uh, I mean, stay on the phone. But the new rave with him is is not even a phone. It's Fortnite. What is that? <laughs> I don't understand it. I think I'm too old. It's a PlayStation game. But I think that the intrigue about it with, with them is they're actually they're plugged in all the way. So they're playing the game. But they're playing with their friends that they are on the phone with while mm. they're playing. So everything is, I guess, kind of uh, real time. It is real time. It is real time. I uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And they're talking to their friends. Dude, give me a gun. Dude, don't go there. That's all I'm hearing all day. And now he's out of school. Yesterday was the last day of school, so I went home for lunch today. He he zoomed in. I said, "Did you do your chores? Did you brush your teeth? Did right? <laughs> did, did you wipe your ass? What is going on?" Right. So, Mom, I'm going to do it. So he started doing it all, all his chores while I'm there because I guess I said something about it. But he's really tuned into that. But Eli, baby, can I see your phone? Can I see your phone? Oh, go get your tablet. I don't want it. I want your phone. I want. He wants what I'm looking at. He mm-hmm. wants to be on YouTube. I mean, the, the kids are YouTube crazy. Snapchat has created a world where you see toddlers walking around going, sticking their tongue out because mm-hmm. of the dog filter. And I'm just like, yes. it's not a phone yes. in front of you. Stop doing that. Yes. And your favorite filter on Snapchat the is the one with the, with the mouth. <laughs> I, everybody in podcast land, I see Nick oh. out and about with her mom. Her and her mom hang out quite a bit. And she always trying to put the filter on her mama's face. And her mama, when she finally look at it, she about to pop Nick Butt. She does. She hates that filter. <laughs> She's like, don't put that funny face on me. I'm like, mom, like, it's no, I don't want that face. She, my mom is, I love my mom. I love her too. <laughs> I love her too. I can't wait to meet her in person because I'm like, mom. You did meet her. Did... We saw you coming out of TJ Maxx. It sure was, did. Because I was getting sure baptized did. that day. And yes, we saw you. I remember. <laughs> but I don't think we were into Snapchat then. No, Snapchat wasn't a thing then. I called her actually on the way here and I was like, mom, what are you doing? So we're talking. She's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go get me a pizza from um, Young Caesars. Young Caesars. I said, Little Caesars. <laughs> you know what I meant. Bye. And I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Now, is she on social media? Is she on Facebook? She's on Facebook. She has been asking me to teach her how to tweet for like three years, and I just conveniently forget. Um, you don't want her on Twitter. She don't need to be on Twitter. She don't need it. Mm-mm. She could do Instagram. No, she can't. I think she has an account. It's nothing on it. I need you to help your mom she with her it. navigation through mm-hmm. at least Instagram. Facebook is Nick. enough. She can keep <laughs> up with family. Oh, um, Lord. I can track her. I know where she is. Oh, my. One, now, day, one day she, I hadn't heard from her all day long. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my mom maybe like five, six times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, for context, back in 2012, she actually had a TIA, which is a mild stroke. The reason I knew was because I talked to her so often 
what she was saying wasn't making sense. Mm. And so I immediately got on the road, um, called one of her friends. They took her to the hospital. I met them there. Mm -hmm. But so I I talked to my mom a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one day she didn't answer the phone all day long. It had been eight hours. I'm calling calling my my aunt and uncle live next door. So Mm -hmm. I'm calling them. I'm calling her friends. I'm logging into her Facebook account. Mm -hmm. And she finally calls me back at like nine o'clock that night. She was like, what did you want? Mm. I said, I couldn't find you. She was like, my phone died. I was busy. I was out with my friends. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) But you see how all generations are, you know, so in tune with their phone now. Even my Mm -hmm. dad, I remember um, when I was in college, I had got a cell phone and it was the new thing. And he's like, that electronic leash. Y'all nobody want no electronic leash. I'm like, you'll have one one day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he got it. Everybody has phones. Now, I mean, with that being said, um, as it relates to journalism, you know, people are recording everything now. Um, Everything, like you said, information, people want it right now. And with these phones, I mean, with all that being said, is it kind of hard to trust some of the information you guys receive? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it. It is, for one, a lot of times people will send you video and say, hey, I saw this happening at Mm -hmm. Walmart. And you have to know to ask them, did you see this or did somebody else? Oh, well, somebody said, ma'am, I'm not using this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think sometimes people do too much. You Mm -hmm. know, they're recording people in the store Mm -hmm. or they're intentionally aggravating someone and recording it just so they can post it. And, you know, I say, was that really necessary, though? There's a lot of that going on. but as far as trusting the things that we get from people, you just have to do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just post something and say this happened because this person said it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, reverse Google Im- image search is your friend. Reverse Google images. Yes. I'm a professional lurker, so I <laughs> <laughs> you can um, if you get a picture and you're like, oh, I feel like I've seen this before, but I don't really know on your desktop. Go to Google. Hit mm-hmm. the little image icon. You can upload the picture, and it'll show you everywhere it's been oh, posted. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I think Twitter actually has rolled out that feature as well. Um, it's got, like, a little icon at the top to let you know where the picture. Because mm-hmm. people, like, you would see it during storms. People would say, oh, I just saw mm-hmm. this. No, you didn't. That's from 2005 Dang. or 2005 or whenever. Dang. So you just have to always check and verify everything it because it, it seems like you know people probably are creating situations at this point not everything but um like you said everybody have their phone out i was actually on bill street on saturday night and i swear nick me and my friend walking it's guys just standing there recording you walking by i mean they mm-hmm. just that's what they're doing on bill recording yep and i think you know how when you were growing up and your parents would always say, you know, be mindful of how you back because you never know who I know, you know, when you're out there. Mm-hmm. So whereas That's you used to have to kind of like look your <laughs> look over your shoulder to see who you might know or who might know you. Now you got to look to see who's just randomly, you know, right. recording you. Like what are they doing with that information? I think for me, I think probably the bigger issue is people, some of the stuff that they post about themselves, mm-hmm. um, some of the things that they post about their children. Mm-hmm. I'm Stop posting 
naked pictures of your children on Facebook. I hate to see it. <laughs> Why are you doing that, baby? You know, like when you have a bad day at work, you know, don't get on Facebook and talk about Emotional. how much, you know, you hate your job and you wish you could punch so-and-so because if something happens to so-and-so and you happen to be a suspect, mm -hmm. guess where the first place we're going to look? Right. Your social media account. I mean, they put all their relationship mm -hmm. information on there. I'm like, you're going to regret this. <laughs> and I mean, and sometimes you do have a lapse in judgment. I, mm -hmm. Last week, uh, a friend saw me walking down the street, and he was like, hey, come out and have drinks with us. And we had a few, probably a few too many. And I posted a picture, and not really realizing what I was posting, because I posted it right after we took it. Mm -hmm. And the next day, I woke up to like 40 notifications. I'm like, huh? And then I looked at the, it just wasn't a flattering picture. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just being silly. And your friends probably like, no, what they is knew, going on? They knew it was out of character. And I was just like, let me take this picture down. But I also have people in my life who hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. You know, I have people who aren't afraid to say, you know what, you're doing a little bit too much today. Mm -hmm. Or are you okay? Well, like, you do you need to talk? Friends. I do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very blessed. Yes, you are. You are. <laughs> if they can give you the good, the bad, and the ugly, then that's a good friend. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of your favorite and least favorite stories that you've covered while being a digital content producer? That's hard because there are so many stories that I've covered that have just made me swell with pride. Anytime I get to talk about children, mm -hmm. um, there was a story in Arlington I did when I was at Channel 5. It was a young lady. Um, she was disabled, and it was for the Best Buddies program. So I got to go out and talk to her about what life was like for her living with a disability and being in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably my Favorite, favorite one, there is a young guy. He's from Gulfport. His name was Zayn. Mm -hmm. He has a, and I should have looked up the name of it, but it's a rare form of sickle, not sickle, it's not sickle cell. It's some, it's a rare form of anemia. We're going to leave mm -hmm. it at that. And I saw the information being shared on social. And so I would ask people at work, hey, are we going to do anything with this? Like, oh, yeah, we covered the bone marrow drive. Okay, but are you going to do anything else with it? And it just kind of never, it was like, oh, you know, we did, we did our part. So I actually reached out to them and I got he and his mom to come to the studio and just talk with me about their journey. Mm -hmm. Just so happens it was, I think, like bone marrow registration week, some, some event. So then they decided, you know, at the station the next day, oh, okay, well, let's run this story that Nick worked on, mm -hmm. which was fine with me because I'm glad it got an additional day of exposure. But he was having um, a bone marrow drive at the uh, Eastern Star. The Eastern Star and the Masons chapter there were mm -hmm. hosting that. And Robin Roberts happened to be in town. Mm -hmm. She actually used to work at WLOX. Really? Yes. And it was, I think it was the five-year anniversary of her bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. So I went to my boss. I was like, hey, I know this is a stretch, but can you get me Robin Roberts? He's like, I'll try he came back a few days later. He's like, I don't think I'm going to make it work. I was like, okay, thanks for trying. Long story short, he made it happen. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get her to surprise him at the bone marrow drive. Um, so stuff like that, you mm -hmm. know, bringing awareness to things. Because I don't like to say that not everything is newsworthy, but some things in the powers, you know, in charge, to mm -hmm. them it's not important. But it's important to me, mm -hmm. and it's important to someone else. So I always try and find a way to highlight the things that people know about. So, mm -hmm. That's um, awesome. As far as least favorite, probably uh, 
it there was a little boy it was actually my first cover story for the tri-state defender so it was hard because i wanted to celebrate but mm-hmm. but he was killed by his father and his father put him in the dumpster no and so i covered that i actually went to the funeral and the fight broke out at the funeral and oh my it we process a lot of emotions as journalists and i was shaking up for a while after that but that's probably my least favorite mm-hmm. glad i was there but definitely mm-hmm. my least favorite i can imagine you you're dealing with all kind of real life you know issues and you have to make a story of it a lot of times. I mean, well, that's that's what your job mm-hmm. is to do. So, I mean, have you ever, like, could not do a story? Like, I can't deal with this. Like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing it. Because and I think in those instances, that's when you have to remind yourself, I'm here to tell this story, and I'm here to tell it the way it's mm-hmm. supposed to be told. Mm-hmm. And I powered through it. Mm-hmm. There Now, there have been times where I, I walked away from my desk, went and cried for a few minutes, mm-hmm. got me a snack, went back to my desk, kept going there were nights where I just went home sat on the couch and cried mm-hmm. I got it out um but I always do my job you know no matter how hard it is I've been at my desk in tears typing mm-hmm. you know we're trying to crank there was a girl um I think she was from Ocean Springs she was killed mm-hmm. in a car accident mm-hmm. and so as we're listening um Carrie actually was working on her script her photog was working on the visual story so we're having to hear over and over her parents do the interview and I looked up at Carrie, and we're both just crying, and we're both just working. Oh. You know, you have to push through it. So. Oh, my. Now, do you trust, which which news outlets do you most trust? Are there certain ones that you go to for your news? I go to the commercialappeal.com for all of my news. <laughs> okay. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Okay. I set myself up for that one. I set myself up for one. Now, I did see you cover uh, Memphis in May. How was that? That looked fun. Lord, look. Okay, first of all. Mudfest. It wasn't Mudfest, It was wasn't it? in the pit it was. But, you know, they put the tiles down on the ground for mm-hmm. the people to stand on, so it's not that bad. Before I tell you how it was, I want to say, Beale Street Music Festival is not for us. Who is it for, Nick? Not black people. Why? Because we are not willing to stand out there for nine hours with no bathroom breaks and no food and no drink. Like... I'm standing there and I'm talking to these girls. It was for Juicy J. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, you're here to see Juicy J. She was like, no, we're here to see Post Malone. Mm-hmm. I said, it's not for three hours. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, well, we got here at nine. We got in our place at one and we've just been standing here. Oh, my. And when I was when I was on stage, as far back as you can see. It was packed. It was packed, all white people. And mm-hmm. so I wonder sometimes, like, is this really for us or are we just not interested? Mm-hmm. It was it was fascinating to see the dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica Badu was Sunday night, and so mm-hmm. that was probably the most diverse night mm-hmm. I bet out of the whole entire weekend. Oh my! Um, but the rest of the nights, it just it wasn't us. And then mm-hmm. I look at, I'm I'm not a music festival person, so I'm not an expert. But I'm looking at all these people smoking weed in front of the police, mm-hmm. and the police aren't doing anything. It's going down. Would that happen at a primarily black concert though? I don't, I don't know. That's some a, of them. I don't know. <laughs> Look, some, some of them. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was wondering. I was like. But at a festival, that goes on. That goes on? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I've been 42 since I was 19. So. <laughs> you know, with it being outside, mm-hmm. I think they're more lenient with a music festival, quote unquote, because um, I had a guest that was at Coachella. She's The same thing that you're saying, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Same thing you're saying about people standing up all day, that's what's going on. I can't do it. I have things to do. I got laundry. Oh, I got. Wow. That's just me. But covering it was fun. 
um, getting to see, you know, Ludacris and mm-hmm. Juicy J and um, he has a, a, a Juicy J has a large um, fan base of white people. They knew all they, the they, words. He has a cult following. The, and I'm like, <laughs> but Why? I didn't know Post Malone's <laughs> fan base had that many white people. I know he's white, but, you know, he mm-hmm. caters to the urban market. So yeah. I didn't know it was like that, but I heard it was like that. It was it was packed the entire length of uh, Tomley Park, and they were spilling out, like, onto the sides, like, outside of where they were I supposed to be. I saw your pictures. I it was. was like, oh, my. It was great. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that um, I had the experience. I never mm-hmm. want to cover it again. You don't. I actually almost got kicked out the last night. How? Because the guy said, he was like, <laughs> you were on stage, and I told them that y'all couldn't be on stage. I said, I was told that we didn't have access. But I asked and was given permission. I didn't know we weren't supposed to be on the stage. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a difference. But mm-hmm. he was like, well, you can stay. Just don't use those pictures. I was like, okay. Yeah, right, dude. <laughs> like, come on now. You had some really good pictures, Nick. Thank you. Now tell me about um, the Explore Bike Share. Uh, everybody's been talking about it. And I saw on your social media, on your Snapchat, I think it was your Snap that you were uh, riding, like, one of the first to get on the bike. So tell me about that whole initiative. I was really hoping, um, because I wrote a really long story about it, and it was supposed to be posted today, and I kind of waited at work, because I wanted it to be posted so I could, you know, have you guys go and look at it. So hopefully it'll be up. But it bike sharing is basically a community bike. So they have docking stations across the city. Um, You pay either a single-use fee or you can get a monthly membership to just go get the bikes and ride them where you want and go put them back. So to be part of the very first ride, it was neat because you see these types of things in other cities, like Nashville has it, I think uh, D.C. has it, uh, St. Louis has them, and you always say, okay, well, why can't we get this here? So it's it was nice to see that. I intentionally, um, I rode to the docking station, one of the docking stations in South Memphis, because a friend of mine, she had posted on Facebook, she was like, you know, she was basically saying, you know, the last thing South Memphis needs is a bike share program. You know, there's so many more things. I saw some comments like that. And I was like, you know, but I think it'll be exciting. It's going to have bumps. But the more I started thinking about it, I was like, what is it like down there, though? Mm-hmm. So I volunteered to go. And the ride from, we rode from the warehouse in Uptown to downtown for the kickoff. Then our team rode to South Memphis. Mm-hmm. There are no bike lanes. So it was, you know, <laughs> we were living on a prayer. But once I got there, the first station was at Walker's, across from mm-hmm. the four-way group. Yeah, right by Lamont or my yes. alma mater. Then we went a few blocks down, and our station was at Knowledge Quest on, okay. what is that, Jeanette Place, I think. Mm-hmm. And the idea, the thinking behind putting them in South Memphis is if we can allow people to have easier transportation, you know, they can go to work, they can go to the grocery store, um, they can be a little bit healthier because they're getting exercises. Mm-hmm. In theory... I think it was a great idea. In reality, there are some hurdles there because if the state, the two docking stations, the four, however many they are, are so far apart, where are they going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, if they work downtown, is there going to be a docking station near where they work? Mm-hmm. Are they going to have the extra money? You know, South Memphis is home to one of the poorest zip codes in Memphis. They mm-hmm. have a 62% poverty rate. So if someone is struggling to eat and keep the lights on, realistically, are they going to pay $5 to ride a bike really to nowhere? Mm -hmm. Because there's no grocery store to ride it to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am happy that South Memphis got a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. One thing that I did, uh, 
I really was happy to hear them say is that people can actually buy, uh, they can pay it forward. So for $200, you can sponsor a rider. So my hope is that people come together and they sponsor some memberships for people mm -hmm. in South Memphis because if we can't get them to utilize it because they can't afford it, mm -hmm. then what was really the purpose of putting it there? So. Right. Right. Now, that's something that I don't see being displayed on TV, like on the news report. So I can't wait for your story to drop and that's for people thing, to hear the know, podcast. It. We did several stories about, oh, you know, they're they're launching the bike share. Because after, after I did the, the ride and I went back home and showered, I was like, I'm going to go ride back out there again just so I can see. Because you're whizzing by and you can't really focus as much. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking around and I'm like, but where are they going to ride to? What are they going to do? There's no bike lanes. It's right over to Midtown on Madison Avenue. I counted one, two, three, four, back mm. to back. Mm -hmm. You go downtown, they're here on this corner. They're over there. They're out. here. And I know they're, they're going to roll out more stations, but if you're going to roll it out in an area like South Memphis, you got to put in a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to canvas the neighborhood and explain to people. Because it's a digital, digitally based um, service, you mm. sign up either on your smartphone on the internet, at one of the kiosks, which there's not one in South Memphis as of right now that I know of, unless it was at Stacks, um, or in the office. So if you can't get to the office, you don't have the internet, you don't have a smartphone, mm. you don't have a credit card to sign up for it, how are you going to... There's some work to be done in the South Memphis. So it, th there's work that has to be done, yeah. and I think it'll get done eventually, but hopefully we can come together as a community. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can say you know what, you didn't get it quite right, but you're on the right track, so right. let us help you make this a success. Who's over the whole Explore Bike Share program? It is a collaborative effort. Um, they had founding sponsors. Uh, I Love Memphis, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, and I'm not going to name the other two because I don't remember the names. Mm -hmm. And I forget the the actual the actual organization name, but it's, mm -hmm. I mean, the money, I think the plan actually started with, it's something that uh, AC Wharton put into motion. Oh. Um, all the funds were, it was, they got the money through fundraising, so it's not like that money was being taken from somewhere mm -hmm. to do this, and I think that's what people don't understand when they say, well, we could have used that money for something else, mm -hmm. but they raised it specifically for that. So it's, it's been a minute since AC was in office. It's been in the works now for rolling a while. It out. And I think the woman who was one of the visionary founders, she said when she had the idea, she had never even ridden a bike. It took a trip, I think she said, to London. Mm. Um, and then she took a bike ride. I guess she learned how to ride a bike there. Uh, she took a <laughs> bike ride to um, an area, and she was able to see how much you know having bike shares could impact the people in South Memphis. So. Mm. Well, I'm glad to see that you know it, it was started. And mm -hmm. you know now that we know what we need to work on. Yeah. We'll get it rolling and get some sponsors. Yes. You hear me, podcast world? Let's get some sponsors in South Memphis and everywhere else that needs it. Now, we're going to switch gears a bit. Oh, no. And talk about some current events, Nick, the editor. Now, I know everybody's buzzing about it, uh, NFL. Um, do you have a favorite NFL team? Are you into football, Nick? When I became a digital producer, I worked nights and weekends. I've worked nights and weekends for the last five years. So once that started, I really got out of watching because I was always at work when sports were on. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a favorite team anymore. Mm -hmm. who, who, Probably who the Saints. Who was it used to be? The Saints? The Saints. I still love the Saints. I haven't really watched the whole Saints game. We would watch it at work. Mm -hmm. um, I would just be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I would say the Saints. 
Well, you know, football is America's number one pastime, and there have been um, so many controversial issues lately with the NFL and uh, the anthem, the national anthem, uh, players kneeling. Uh, Colin Kaepernick kind of started it all off, just really kneeling because of injustices and police brutality with African-Americans. So now let's fast forward to today. The NFL commissioner um, rolled out a new policy stating basically all players have to stand during the national anthem at this point. And if you don't, you have the option to stand in a tunnel and so not be visible, I guess. And if you do kneel, you're going to get a penalty. So, I mean, everyone's buzzing about it. I, In my opinion, I think that's a bad move by the NFL because, I mean, it just seems like they don't get it. Like the point of why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling in the first the place. The protest was never about the flag. No. You know? And it's just. Why they keep trying to make it that keep, narrative? And it's so tiring. Like at this point, you know, right. you keep, and I'm just like, if you don't get it by now, you're just, you're doing what you want to do. And basically it's, it's sad for you to have these grown men that you're making billions of dollars off of, you know, and majority black, majority black. And they're kneeling is them essentially crying out to you saying, hey, there's a problem and I can't really do anything hands on to fix it. But this is how I can show my port and raise aware- support and raise awareness. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, no, you can't do that. Stand up. What is the big deal? You know, like, it's it's a control thing. Like, somebody tweeted today. They said, you know, just the same way Rosa standing standing up wasn't about the bus. Kneeling is not about the flag. That's a good statement. It, and I wish I could remember it's who symbolic. tweeted it. It flew by, but it it's not about the flag. You know what? Um, I also heard today that the majority of the owners voted for this. However, there's like a players union and they were supposed to sign off on something and that didn't get done. They raised their hands. They sat at the table and raised their hands. Unopposed. How? Come on. (laughs) How suspect is all of this? That's like you and I sitting here saying, you know, what do we want to do? We want to do this? Yes. And then it's going to get done. It's going to get done. This is what we're doing for the 2018 season. I'm wondering how the players are going to respond. It's going to be interesting. Very. Because, you know, we were on pins and needles last year. This year, we really going to be like, oh, we. You know, and I can only imagine that that's your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not just your passion, but it's how you keep the lights on. It's how you take care mm-hmm. of your family. Um, so it, and it was nice to see. I'm not, what was the coach's name that said, you know, if any of his players get fined. The Jets. Oh, yeah. I, he was the Jets coach. I don't know his name, but. Uh, he said that if his players get fined. You know, he's, he's going to pay for it. But so. guess what? None of his players were kneeling last year either. I mean, <laughs> he made, That's easy to say when you know. It's easy to say. So, but hopefully by him doing that, mm-hmm. other coaches will then step up and do the same. So. And maybe that's what he realized when he said it. You know, mm-hmm. even though I know this is not going to directly affect my team and my pockets, mm-hmm. maybe I can be the one that stands in the gap and mm-hmm. make a difference for everybody else. That's like when I think about it, you know, I love the Dallas Cowboys. It, it's like it puts you in a position like, dang, am I going to watch the games this year? <laughs> dang. And then I think about, remember when uh, Jerry went out there with the players that won symbolic mm-hmm. time and now it's this? Like, what? What? Yep. Girl, you know what? I talked to an older gentleman at work today 
and he's a Steeler fan. There are a lot of Steeler fans in Memphis. He's either Steeler mainly or Cowboy. So he's a Steeler fan. We always talk shit to each other. Uh, what y'all going to do, Cowboys? What y'all going to do, Steelers? So I talked to him a day about this situation. I said, so are you still going to watch the games? Um, you know, from the new policy they rolled out? He was like, yes, I am. I said, really? He said, yeah, because guess what? He said something like, let's compare that to you have to come here at work. If your boss told you to not do something um, and you did it anyway, you would be reprimanded. So he's saying, like, because of leadership is saying that he, he can understand it. Like you saying, these people mm-hmm. do this for a living. They're going to get reprimanded in some kind of way. But he's an older gentleman as well. Right. So I can feel what he's saying, but I'm like on some... You know, I'm like, okay, I respect you, but I I think otherwise. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this rolls out. Um, Even the big name sponsors who support the NFL, you know, are people going to stop, you know, uh, patronizing these people? And Mm -hmm. is this going to be? I mean, if you are more affected by people protesting than what they're actually protesting about, Mm-hmm. then that says more than anything you could ever, any statement you could ever make. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. What month is this? Is this uh, May? May. Well, Almost baby, June. around the corner, mm-hmm. honey. But did you see the wedding of Prince <sighs> Harry and Meghan Markle last weekend? I woke up <laughs> and then I fell back asleep, but I caught it. I caught the rerun like right when I woke up a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. It was. It was like a yes. real deal fairy tale. It was everything. It was the epitome of for the culture. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny during um, when the bishop got up to speak, you know, and he's <laughs> being very himself. You know, he's mm-hmm. being black. He's like every other black mm-hmm. t- preacher in America. And the people in the audience were just looking around like, what is what is happening? What mm-hmm. is he doing? They is weren't. He... The Brits weren't ready for that. No, they weren't ready for us at all. It was Wakanda forever. <laughs> yes, it pond. was, especially with Bishop Curry. Now, yes. I actually saw him last night on CNN with Don Lemon, and he had that same tone, that mm-hmm. same fervor. I was like, oh, he real deal. But it made me think about it like, um, at the royal wedding, they blended the American traditions and the British traditions so well. Mm-hmm. Like, they thought this through. They thought it through to the T. And I think what stood out the most for me was her mom. Yeah. It was, she was so proud of her. She mm-hmm. was so happy. Now, had they been in America, she just, she probably just went like, yes, that's my baby. You mm-hmm. know, she just, it would have been the normal display. But because she's there, she was there alone. There was mm-hmm. no family with her. Mm-hmm. And she you was could, the only family member. She was the only one. The only one that was invited um, right. on her mom's side. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think her dad's side, they showed up to do commentary. I'm like, why would somebody hire them? Nobody cares what y'all think. Oh, wow. And then her, was it her half-brother or half-nephew? One of them was arrested for trying to bring a knife into a club. I didn't hear about that. So they were in England? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. They okay, went, okay. Um, but in her mom, she held it together, mm-hmm. you know. She, she really did. It, she looked beautiful. I'm too. ready to see some little brown babies. Oh, oh it's man. coming because they couldn't keep their hands little off of Afro, each other. Afro puffs, like in yes. the royal pictures. Like, I'm ready for but it. But I'm like, is this kind of like a breakdown of the monarchy now? Because, you know, the be. queen had to approve this Everything. union. And this is not with tradition at mm-hmm. all. 
So I'm like, oh, something's changing. It is. I think a lot of things are going to start changing because mm-hmm. of this. You know, you look at the fact she was commoner for one. Mm-hmm. What, 36? Mm-hmm. Divorced. Divorced. Hey, honey. Biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely different mm-hmm. from everybody else. Mm-hmm. But the way Harry looks at her, I need somebody that looks at me the way Harry so looks at her. Expensive. Just nothing else matters when they're oh together. Oh my! Do you know, like her whole life is different now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we love to see the the fairy tale, but in reality, it's a lot of stuff she can't do no more. She can't just get up and go to Target. No, she can't uh, do that. She, she deleted her social media account. That's a must. And she has to wear stockings on her legs now, like the nude stockings. Like, it's probably different for her. very just, it's rehearsed and it's, mm-hmm. you're going to do this, you're going to stand like this. I read somewhere one of the reasons that um, Kate always has a purse in her hand is because they can't shake hands, I believe, because you're not supposed to touch them. Mm-hmm. So they carry a purse, so there's always something in so their kind of hand. Intervene. Right. Isn't um, that something? It is. It it's gonna be interesting to see how mm-hmm. how things change. They said she's going through royal protocol training right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder what that consists of. Like, teach me how to be a royal. I I think like etiquette classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe like you know they have to go to all of these uh, meetings and ceremonies. It's probably you know certain things that are done that we just don't even know about or even think about. Yeah, like. You know, where to stand, who to mm-hmm. talk to, how to address somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, just learning about how they work, how mm-hmm. things work. Like, I think I barely passed government in America. I can't imagine. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know, honey. I can't imagine having to relearn something completely different. I, but she's willing to do it because she mm-hmm. looks in love. They they look so in love. And, and they had so many odds against them. I just, ooh, love wins, love wins. I'm loving it. Yes, I'm, I'm happy for them. Me too. Now, Nick, I really enjoyed you on the podcast. I want you to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and read your stories and, you know, do Nick, do Nicole Harris. You, The best way to find me is on Twitter, Nick the Editor. Uh, you can look up my public Facebook page. It's Nicole R. Harris. Um, but my personality really comes out on Twitter. Yes, you know? it does. It, and it, I, all the time, like people, even my mom's friends, you know, they say, I just, I love your posts. Like, you make me laugh and you're so honest. Mm-hmm. I look back at my, and I'm just like, what? I'm, that's just me. Like, I don't see what other people see, but I am happy to know that I bring some sort of joy to other mm-hmm. people. And you're being yourself. And you can see, to me, on Twitter, that whole platform, you can pretty much see per- people's personalities mm-hmm. and who they really are, if they're being honest. Because you can see some people just, you know, saying things other people retweet. are saying yeah. too, and yeah, I, I agree. Make sure you guys follow my friend Nicole Harris, and thank you so much for coming thank to you the for podcast. Me. I'm glad you made it thank on this you. Thursday before Memorial Weekend. I know. So everybody, make sure you guys follow my friend Nicole Harris on all her social media handles. Verbally effective episode twenty in the book. Can't do drip. Can't do drippin', can't do drippin', diamonds on my wrist, they drippin'.